you guys give it up for your worship team? I asked them to play that last song. I, it's just been, that was kind of my, my anthem as, uh, as I was, was in the hospital uh, with, with Megan and Jillian this last, this last week. It was kind of the, the anthem that, that was uh, playing over and over. And, um, and I just feel like it really goes well with, uh, with this message. And so um, today, uh, I'm going to... I am going to challenge you, but also I hope this is an encouragement to you. And, and, um, and this is, most of the time, what I bring to you is what the Lord speaks to me about myself in the Word, and then I just share it with you. So I will never challenge you guys with something that I haven't already challenged myself with. Does that make sense? I think that's fair. Isn't that fair? I think that's probably the only way to do it when you, when you are uh, called to preach the Word of God. And so, um, so that's what today is going to be. We're going to be uh, finishing up the series Dynamic Duos. I hope you've enjoyed this series. And basically what it's been is we've taken two figures that you've seen in the Bible. And, um, and I, I don't want to call it characters because the Bible isn't full of characters. Characters are fictional people in a story. These are figures. These are real people. The, this really happened. It's a true story. And that's, that's, it really happened. That's why they call it a true story, right? So that's what this is, Okay. And so the first one was, was comparing Jonah and Paul, how Jonah was, was walking in disobedience to God, completely sowing into his disobedience to God, and was invested in his disobedience to God, and ended up on a boat with a bunch of people, and he was costing them everything through his disobedience. Then you had Paul. Paul was obedient to God in, in the and the life that he was calling him to live, he was living blameless as, as possible and being the man that God called him to be and, and being used in the ministry. And, and, uh, and he, was, he was, had been arrested and was not guilty for, for what he was tra- being tried for, but yet he still was arrested. Ended up on a boat with a bunch of people as a prisoner. And he was, he was the prisoner and they were, there were all these uh, security guards and, and everything like that. And, the, and he tried to tell them, we're going to shipwreck. But they wouldn't believe him. And, and finally, uh, it happens. And God uses Paul and Paul's righteousness to save everybody in the boat and keep them safe. And so which one are we? Are we Jonah or are we Paul? Are we sowing into our disobedience and costing the people around us, whether we realize it or not? Or are we living in such a way that we're a blessing to everyone around us? Which one are we living as, right? Number two, we talked about the centurion versus Peter and how the centurion came to Jesus and he said, hey, my, my servant is sick, can you heal him? And Jesus was like, well, let's go to your house. He said, nope, I'm not worthy that you would show up at my house. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. And his, and his servant was healed. Seems like a great thing, right? Until you realize that he missed out on relationship because he was focused on results. And, uh, and then you have Peter on the way home from that moment, Peter, they get to the Peter's house and Jesus is hanging out in Peter's crib and they're having all the unleavened bread they could ever want, right? And they're hanging out and they find out Peter's mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus is already in the house and he heals her. She gets up and she serves them and they have this big party. And, and I can imagine just the, the laughter at the table. And, and basically the idea was, are we going to be the people that sacrifice relationship with God for the results of God? Or are we going to be the people that have a relationship with God? And when you have a relationship with God, the results follow. That was the second one. Last week, we talked about the difference between young David and old David. The day where David 
was, was uh, the champion over Goliath versus the day where David was a king and he was selfish and, and took another man's wife. And, and we talked about the difference between the two and, and which one are we? are we? Are we walking in obedience to God? Are we doing the things that we're supposed to be doing? Or are we doing the things that we know are going to lead us down a path of destruction? Today, we're going to finish with the ten lepers. Lepers, not leopards. I, people say it all the time. Leper. Everybody say leper. Don't put a D on it. You don't hear about leopards in the Bible except for Noah, right? That's it. So we're going to talk about that. And, uh, and you know me, I like, to, I like to illustrate. And so I found a video that tells the story really well. Um, so I'll show the video and then we'll read after that. So check out the, uh, the opener to this. One day, Jesus and his friends were traveling to Jerusalem. Hey, that's Jesus. What, where? Right there. He's walking down the road. I see him. I see him. I see him. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. These ten dudes had leprosy. People did not want to be around guys with leprosy. Hey, guys, how's it going? Isn't it a beautiful day? Why is he talking to us? I don't know. Wait a minute, these guys have leprosy! Ah! Unclean! Unclean! There he unclean, goes. Unclean! 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 Jesus has mercy on us! Jesus has mercy on us! Hey, those dudes have leprosy. Yep, I know it. Go show yourselves to the priests. You heard the man. Let's go, boys. We gotta go see the priests. Let's go, boys. Guess we're gonna see the priests. As the lepers went, they were healed. We're healed. That's so cool. Yeah, I can go home now. Sweet. My scars are gone. Now I can now go, go home. home. Jesus so much. Aw. Someone had a lot of time on their hands. Dan, you're, you're a video guy. It seems like that's a lot of work. Is that a lot of work? Because you like have to take a picture of every movement, right? Yeah. Stop, stop motion, yeah. And, uh, and also... Maybe some biblical inaccuracies, because I know that Michelangelo was not one of the 12 disciples. He was more of a follower of Splinter than, than Jesus. But it got the point across, right? It was adorable. So that story, the story of the 10 lepers, and, and you, you may already kind of have an idea of where, I head, where I'm heading with this, but, but, um, but I, I, I want to kind of tell the story and read through it a little bit. And, uh, and then just kind of go through piece by piece and talk about it. And so you know the story. Jesus is walking from Samaria and Galilee. He's walking and he's headed to the next destination. He's already doing all kinds of miracles and he's already talking about all kinds of things. <clears throat> and as that happens, 
Afar off he sees ten lepers. And they call out to Jesus and they beg for mercy. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. And they do. They're heading that way and they're healed. And they all keep going except for one. The one runs back and thanks Jesus. That little thank you Jesus so much, it just kind of gets you right here, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Dare I say toads to dorms. So anyway, I shouldn't. Let's not. Yeah. Doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth. Uh, All right. So anyway. So let's look at it. <clears throat> we're going to look at each part, and we're just going to kind of try and find ourselves here. Can we do that? So verses 11 and 12 is, is where we're going to begin in uh, chapter 17 of Luke. How many of you guys have Bibles with you? Let's see your actual Bibles. Look at that. You guys are learning. You're doing it. You're doing it. Yeah, you got phones and you got tablets, but you don't feel so good. Like when I say, hey, show me your Bible, and you're holding up a cookie sheet. You know what I'm saying? You know? <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So bring your Bibles. All right, so it says, Now it happened as he went f- to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten who were lepers, and they stood afar off. Now let's start right there. Understand that as Jesus is walking from one place to another, he sees these lepers, and they're all afar off, and they all, they all start calling out to him. Understand this, that they had to be far off, okay? And I know I've talked a little bit about this before. If you're like, man, PT, quit repeating yourself. I I think it's important. Repetition is good, right? Helps you remember. And I don't know about you, but my brain leaks uh, for sure. So let's just remember a little bit about what it means to be a leper. Understand that they had to stand afar off because they are outcast, right? They are not worthy to be in the same society that everybody else is. So when you get leprosy, and I don't know if you know what leprosy is, it's not pleasant. Leprosy is where you, you it's basically a, a rotting of your flesh, and before you know it, stuff just starts kind of falling off. <laughs> oh, no. Right? And so that's kind of what it was, right? You don't hear about it as much anymore, but wow, not good. And so everybody was so afraid to catch it. I can't think of a virus Where everybody was afraid. Seems like it's ringing a bell. Anyway, okay, now I'm sorry. I, I got off track, right? So everybody's afraid. They're, they're pushing these people out of the city. They have to live outside the city. They can't live in the city. And when they do, they have to come in, and they have to be covered up, and they have to actually announce to the world as they're coming in, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. Which we, if we applied that rules to teenagers, you know how loud it would get? Sheesh. Ain't showered! Never mind. Sorry. So, so this is where they are. They have to be afar off. It's not a disrespect thing. It's not a, I don't want to get closer to Jesus at this moment thing. It is a, I have something that is literally keeping me from being over there. And so I'm all the way over here living my life and, and, I, and I am, I'm cast out. And so I'm calling to Jesus from afar. Okay. Verse 13 says, and they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus have mercy on us. So what do you think they mean by Jesus have mercy on us? Obviously they're asking for a healing, right? Right. Don't you think? But they're actually asking for so much more. 
At this point in time, there's no known cure for leprosy. There's no way to get, to, to, to get rid of it. And so they need a miracle. But on top of that, they're not just saying, Jesus, heal me of this disease that is ruining my skin. They're saying, Jesus, give me a second chance at life. They're saying, Jesus, give me my life back. They're saying, I've been cast out from my home. I haven't gotten to see my wife or my daughter or my son. They're saying, I haven't seen my mom and dad for three, four, five years, however long this has been going on. They're saying, I've lost everything. I used to, in my country, I was a doctor. You know, like I've lost my job. I've lost my career. I lost everything I own. And so Jesus, when I say have mercy on me, it's more than a healing. I'm asking you to give me a fresh start at life. That's what Jesus, have mercy on us, means. That's why they're crying out so hard. They've lost everything, and they just want to try and get it back. Does that make sense? Verse 14, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Understand this, Jesus was always always saying those words go show yourself to the priest go submit yourself to authority hold on one second excuse me go show yourself to the priest go submit yourself to authority go do what you're supposed to do if the law requires you to do it i want you to do it he did that with peter when it talked about giving tithe he said go out and and get a fish and open it up and there'll be enough tithe for both of us both offering offering for both of us jesus was always challenging people do do it right. If you're going to do it, do it right. Right? I think, that's a, I think that's a thing that Christians today miss. And this is just a side note. That, that we think because we have an all-sufficient Savior so often, we don't have to do things right. But Jesus calls us to a higher standard. He doesn't call us to a lower standard because His grace descends to our depth of, of of, of a lack of character he he bridges the gap with his grace and then he challenges us to rise to his level right so that's what jesus is doing here he's saying you know what you're supposed to do now go do what you're supposed to do right makes sense and so jesus says go do that and here's what happens as and so as it was as they went they were cleansed so they had a part to play in this as well Think about this. If they would have said, why would we go show ourselves to the priest? We're still lepers. Can you imagine having to work through that doubt for a second? Where they're standing there, and he's saying to them, go show yourself. He didn't say you're healed, go show yourself to the priest. He said, go show yourself to the priest. How many times do you think, maybe on a day where it looked like their skin might be clearing up, they went to the priest and said, oh, can I come back now? Look, I'm getting better. And the priest said, no, I'm sorry. You're not better. You, you still can't come back. Because the priest was the one who decided that. He was the first line of defense. Did you know that? Me neither. And so these guys, you can imagine, may have a little bit of trepidation about going to the priest because what's the priest going to say to me? I'm still a leper. And so they didn't say, why would we do that, Jesus? We're going to look stupid. We're going to go and what, we're going to get rejected again? Do you want us to do that? Do you want me to look dumb again? I already have all this going on. Jeff's finger just fell off. What are we supposed to do? Right? Wave at him, Jeff. Hi. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't slept a whole lot. And to be honest with you, I'm, I put Jillian in bed with Megan, and I'm sleeping on Jillian's mattress on our floor, and there's, there's an obvious quality difference. And, uh, but it is cute to see me sleeping with her Minnie Mouse comforter. Anyway, so I'm a little loopy. You're just going to have to deal with it. But it may not look any different than it normally does anyway. <clears throat> and so you could see that they would probably have some trepidation, wouldn't you? When you have a little bit of a worry there for a second, why, why does he want me to go do that? Nothing's changed. But it was in that moment where they took Jesus at his word and they started walking towards that place where they were told to walk to, that Jesus' miracle began to take form in their life. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when God calls you to something, he doesn't just call you to stand there and enjoy it and take it. He says, I want you to step out in what I have for you. And as you step out into what I have for you, then you'll begin to see the evidence of what I already told you was going to happen. Amen? Isn't that awesome? And so they were obedient out of a heart of faith. This is a good thing. This is a good story, right? Because usually we pick like a superhero and a villain when we do dynamic duos. And we're like, be this guy, but don't be that guy. And some of you are that guy. Get Get your head on straight and figure it out. There's no villains here. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they walked in obedience, God blessed that obedience and their healing began to take form. Understand, did you hear in that, did you hear in that, in that little cute little video, one of the guys said, now I can go home. Did you hear him say that? And they take off. In fact, it says in uh, verse 15 and 16, it says this. And, and, uh, and, so, and so as they went on their way, they were cleansed. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So the nine kept going. And we're going to talk about the nine in a minute. Not yet. We'll get there. They kept going. And I can imagine they were dreaming again. I don't know about you, but I've had seasons in my life where I couldn't dream. You ever been there? And then you get back to a season where you can dream. And boy, that's all you want to do. And you were just loving life. And you are, you are, man, when I got to fusion, when I got here, I was able to dream. I was able to dream. And, and, uh, and then, and, and God's still, still doing it. And it's amazing. And so they're probably dreaming again and they're probably making plans again and they're probably can't wait till they get home so they can see mom or they can see their their kids or they can see their spouse like they're they're excited about this moment right but then as you look in verses 15 and 16 one came back and i want to skip to the very last sentence okay so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at the bookends for a second and then, and then we're going to talk about the middle. So it says, I'm one of them. When we saw that it was healed, return with a loud voice and glorify God. And the last part says what? He was a Samaritan. That may not make a whole lot of sense or mean a whole lot to some of us, but when you realize what that means, it's actually kind of big. You know, there, there was a, a social class. Do you understand that? 
There was a, a hierarchy. There was kind of like, you know, you remember when you were in high school, you had like the super cool kids that everybody wanted to be around, like the cool kids that everybody liked, and then like the ones that nobody bothered because they just kind of blended into the crowd. Then you had like the, the, the troublemakers and, and, you know, some were jocks and some were, some were geeks and all that, right? And, and like trying to navigate through that, right? You remember those days? You're like, no, that's because you probably have like, you know, gotten rid of it, like pushing that off to the side because it was a hard experience, right? And so there was kind of like the, that, that class, that hierarchy. And when you had someone who was, who was, was a full-blooded Jewish person, when they looked at a Samaritan, they did not like what they saw because they looked at them as half-breeds and, and they looked at them as less than human. In fact, if you were a Samaritan, you weren't permitted to, 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 to be in the presence of, of a, of a full-blooded Jewish, Jewish person. Did you know that? They were better than you. That's why, think about this for a second. We talk about the good Samaritan. You only need to say it's a good Samaritan if all the other Samaritans are what? Bad. Bad. If they're all bad. Right? You don't, you don't have to unless, you don't have to make that, that, that change in status unless all the other ones are horrible. And so they have this guy, check this out, wasn't even fit to come to Jesus before he had leprosy. And yet he's the one who comes running back. The one who wasn't worthy. The one who didn't have what it takes. We'll talk more about that in a second. <clears throat> he comes and he bows at the feet of Jesus by himself. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus and cries out. It actually says in verse, in verse 16, it says he fell down his feet giving him thanks. And, and it says even in verse 15 that with a loud voice, he glorified God. It wasn't like he walked up and said, hey, Jesus, come here. I just want to say thank you. I don't want anybody to know that I used to be a leper, so I just want to say thank you for healing me. And I'm going to go and show myself to the priest now, but appreciate it. No, he got undignified, and he didn't care what people thought. He ran, and with a loud voice, he cried out, giving God praise and glory and praising the name of Jesus. Right? The, 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 other, the other nine just kept going. So let's look at the difference in the moment for the, the nine and the one. Can we do that? Let's focus on the nine for a second. They were all outcasts, right? The nine were all outcasts. We talked about that, right? They all recognized Jesus' deity. What I mean by that is, is it says, it says that as Jesus was walking, they stood from afar off and they said, Jesus what? Master. They called him master. So they recognized his deity. They recognized his godship. They recognized his godhood. All right, we there? These are, these are supposed to be the villains of the thing, but they're, they're still recognize, they're recognizing that Jesus is special. He's not your average man, right? The nine trusted him for mercy. Have mercy on us. He was really their last hope. They trusted him for mercy. They had faith in his ability to heal him, heal them, and they even walked in obedience before what, he, what they hoped for happened. Right? We're there? 
Yep. They kind of remind me of your average churchgoer in the United States today. Right? We believe in Jesus. We recognize his, de- his deity. We recognize that he is the Lord of, of lords and the king of kings, right? We do. Right? Are we all there? We trust him for our mercy. We, we trust him for our salvation. Right? We will even do our best to walk in obedience because we have faith that he is who he says he is. Right? I feel like the nine really represents the average churchgoer in the United States. Now, I'm not saying he represents you. That'll be for you to decide here in a little bit. But he represents the average churchgoer in the United States. Do we agree? Let's look at the one. He was the biggest outcast, right? Not only was he a leper, but he was also a Samaritan where if he didn't have leprosy, he still wasn't worthy to come into contact with them. So he's the biggest outcast of the entire group. He recognized Jesus as deity, right? He knew that he was God, right? Agreed? He trusted him for mercy, for that second chance at life, right? He was grateful for salvation. He he trusted Jesus for salvation. He walked in obedience because he had faith that Jesus was who he says he was. Agreed? And that's that's where all the similarities kind of end. Because unlike the nine, the one was not satisfied with that. The nine... When they got their clean skin, so all the world could see that they were okay, they started dreaming about all the things that they were going to do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to kiss my wife. I'm going to hug my kids. I'm going to get back to life. I'm going to start my business back up. I've missed my business. I'm going to go to my family reunion because I haven't seen my uncles and my aunts and my mom and dad for years. And they're dreaming about all the things that they're going to do. None of them are bad, right? They were satisfied with what they just got. They were driven by their circumstances, and when their circumstances changed, they were now Content. And contentment's not a bad thing, right? Like I said, I still think this represents the average churchgoer in the United States. Still, right? But back to the one. He wasn't satisfied. He probably was still dreaming about all those things. I can't wait to go home. I can't wait to see my wife. I can't wait to see my kids. I can't wait to go to my mom and dad's house. We're going to tear it up like real folk. We're going to get some non-pork ribs, and we're going to have a party. Right? Got to keep it kosher. It's a Jewish joke. I don't get to make many of the, like, there's not a lot that you can, right? And though he was content with all of that, he wasn't satisfied. 
He had a grateful heart. And I'm sure the other ones did too. I'm sure they really appreciated it. But he had a grateful heart. So much so that, and, and I'll tell you this, it was, it was that grateful heart that, that drove him to the feet of Jesus. They didn't just say, he didn't just say thank you on the way back to his normal life. It drove him to the feet of Jesus. And he came running. And with everything that he had, he shouted glory to God. And he praised God. And he said, I am ever so grateful for what you've done. Jesus, thank you. It was his grateful heart that led him to a place where he was at the feet of Jesus crying out. Amen? A grateful heart is a powerful thing. A grateful heart changes everything. You could be going through the hardest time of life, but if you have a grateful heart, it changes your outlook on everything. How do I know? Because it just happened. It just happened for us. Let me tell you where Megan and my heart and my kid's heart is right now. We are so grateful. We're grateful for a God who protects. Amen? It was a hard day. It's a hard few days. It's still hard. It's still scary. We're thankful for people who were praying. Do you know I got messages from so many of you? And some of you are like, PT, I just found out today I would have been one of those. I know you would have. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We had people, missionaries from El Salvador reaching out to us. Pastor Michael from Grenada actually called and left a voicemail for me praying and, and saying that they're, they're, they're praying for us. <laughs> when, and and I, I, was so, I was so grateful in this moment, and it took me, you know, for me, Megan's good at processing in the moment. I'm not. I get space, and then I look back, I'm like, oh, okay, I understand now. My brain works slower, so much slower than hers. So <laughs> some of you are like, that is the understatement of the day. Yeah, coffee does not help. Although the coffee you guys gave us is delectable. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, talk to them if you like good coffee. They have, they have the hookup. So I remember when, when Jillian started going through what she was going through, Megan was praying over her. I was on the phone with 911. Poor Gavin. Is, are you, is Gavin in here or is he working kids? Where is it? Yeah. Gavin was like so he was like bumping into walls trying to figure out what he was supposed to do but made his way we had we have this new dog who's like all cracked out and her kennel her kennel is right in front of our front door Gavin somehow got the kennel picked up with the dog in it moved across the room and got the door open for the EMTs to come in and I think he went back to bumping into walls I don't know what happened after that Gracie was in the back room going to work in the spirit that girl have a daughter who knows how to pray it's going to take a special man to marry that girl because she's a warrior in the spirit and she was in the back bedroom just i don't know if you know we believe in praying in tongues here if that freaks you out i'm sorry but it's kind of who we are so uh she was going to work in the back room and, I, and the EMTs walked in. I'm like, well, let's see what happens here. Let's see. What are they thinking? <laughs> and I was trying to be the clear-headed one. Awesome. <laughs> but I was so grateful in that moment 
that my family's first instinct after bumping into walls <laughs> was to take things to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe we're doing the right, maybe we're on the right track here, right? And so I was, I'm grateful for a family. I'm grateful for a God that heals. I'm grateful for friends that love, and I'm grateful for a family that, that, that knows how to take things to the throne of God. And there were people praying everywhere. And then we started getting text messages and messages. And then people started sending stuff. Uh, Jilly, I don't know if you know this or not, but she absolutely loves Minnie Mouse. I don't know if you knew that. She's, like, she has like eight new Minnie Mouses on our couch. <laughs> None of them are the same one. They're all different in one way or another. They're either different in size or different in color or, or one has just a Minnie Mouse head. And it, like, it, they're all different. But like that came from you guys. That came from people in here. We, we showed up from, after a meeting from her school and there was a basket on the front, front porch and it had all kinds of amazing things for her. I already talked to that person. That person needs to be in the business of basket making because it was phenomenal, right? You guys started bringing food. Boy, did you start bringing food. Wow. So, so, so amazing. And, um, and you are, uh, I am, the Bible says that Christ must increase and I must decrease, but that's not how it's working right now. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. And when you're going through the hardest time of your life, if you have a grateful heart, it changes everything, right? You guys just went through the hardest time of your life. You're still there. But how grateful your heart was changed everything. And you have this guy here, and his grateful heart ran him to the feet of Jesus. Caused him to say, I'm not satisfied with just saying thank you from across the way, Jesus. I'm not satisfied with, with just giving you a, a peace out, thanks for making my skin look good again. He's not, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm going to run to his feet, and I'm going to cry out with a loud voice, and I'm going to draw near to him. I'm going to praise him with everything that I have, and that's what he did. The question we need to ask ourselves is this, am I the nine or am I the one? Am I the nine or am I the one? Am I the one who's just going to come to church and I'm so glad you're here? I'm so glad you're here. I miss the ones who aren't here today. I'm glad you're here. If you're in this place, thank you for being here today. But are you content with just coming to church? Just standing and listening to the worship music and saying, wow, that Melissa sure can sing. Young Chad looks great today. I don't know what skin regimen he's on. But wow. Are you satisfied with watching other people go after God for themselves? And maybe you walk in faith, and I believe that. I know this place is filled with faithful believers. I know it. And, and you would be the ones, just, just like the nine, who when Jesus told you to move, you moved. That's who this body of believers is. I believe that. 
but are we content with that? Are we satisfied with that? Is that enough? Is it enough just to be in the house of God? Is it enough just to say, I, I believe in him? Is it enough to just recognize his, his deity? Is it enough to say, well, I trust him for my salvation? Is it enough to say, well, I believe that he can heal me? Is it enough to say, I, I, I belong to him? I don't think it is. I don't think we should be satisfied with that. I think that we should have such grateful hearts because God has forgiven us. Yeah. Worship team, go ahead and make your way up. God has forgiven us and he's cleansed us, and he's washed us, and he's made us new, and he's given us this new life, this life built on his grace and built on his mercy. And it should cause us to be so grateful that everything that we have, we pour out at the feet of Jesus because we're grateful for what he's done. Yes, we recognize his deity. Yes, we know that he can heal. Yes, we know that he saves. But more than that, my heart and my flesh cry out for more of him and to pour my love on him and move his heart with my worship because of who he is and what he's done. I think if you're one of the nine, you're awesome. There's been times in my life where I've been one of the nine. I think we should be the one. I think we shouldn't be content. I think we should be content. I don't think we should be satisfied. Content as I'm good with, with whatever comes my way. It is well with my soul. That's contentment. And actually it says, Paul says, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. So it's good. Being content is good. But I don't want to grow satisfied. Where just receiving something to God is good enough, but not driving me to his feet. Amen? I want to be the one that runs back to Jesus. I don't know what you want to do, but here's what I want to do. I want to be the one that runs back and with a grateful heart cry out to him with everything that I have. That's what I want with my life. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I'm content with being one of the nine. Okay, just keep doing that. Keep coming back. I'm going to continue to try and challenge all of us, me especially. Remember, I preached this to Terry before I ever preach it to you. I'm going to challenge all of us to step out of the nine and into the one. We will do that. I will continue doing that. If you're like, I'm good with being nine, God bless you. Great. Keep doing it. Stay here. We love you. You're part of the team. God's doing great work in you as well as everybody else. But let's, let's try to chase after like the one. Amen? There's no condemnation here. There's, there's no, there's, there's no uh, you shouldn't feel bad about where you are in your walk with God right now. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is there's more. And we should hunger for more. Amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. So my question to you is this. What's it going to take to cause you to run to him. What's it going to take? We can chase after him with everything that we have. But what's it going to take? If you're driven by your circumstances, it's going to take circumstances going south quickly. This is not in my notes. The Lord's just laying this on my heart. If you're driven by your circumstances, it's going to take your circumstances going south to drive you to the feet of Jesus. But if you're driven by a grateful heart that just wants more, you live your life at the feet of Jesus, no matter what the circumstances hold. Amen?
So what's it going to take? And can, okay, so I guess if there is a moment where I come down and I, and, I, and, I, uh, and I am hard, here it is. Sunday after Sunday, I preach my guts out. And I'm going to keep doing it. I preach my guts out, and then I challenge you to come to this altar and, and make the proclamation that you're going to be his. And I see people say, okay, he's done now. Let's go. Time to hit Bob Evans. And they walk out. I've preached on marriage. And I knew some people's marriages were falling apart. And I'm looking at them. I don't target you in my messages. I don't do that. I could. It'd be a lot of fun to watch you squirm, but I don't do it. But I also know, because I know my people, when something's relevant to what they're going through. And I'm watching as I'm preaching my guts out about marriage. And I'm like, come down here. Let us pray for your marriage. And you walk out. Why? Why? This is the place where heaven and earth meet. This is a place where you can make that proclamation that I'm going to be grateful for him no matter my circumstances. You need to get familiar with the altar because heaven is just one big altar. That's all it is. You may be content, but it's time to be grateful. We can never be satisfied. We have to run after him with a grateful heart. So we have opportunities. The first one is I'm going to invite you to come and take some time and have communion with us. We're going to do that in a second. This week, starting Tuesday, Reverend L has challenged his prayer team. And then it went from the prayer team to all of us, a challenge that we would start a week of prayer and fasting. Not because anything's going horrible, but because we want to be driven to the feet of Jesus by grateful hearts. And so what's he saying? From sunup to sundown, if you can fast, do it. If you can only do one meal, do it. But spend that time in prayer, and then each night at 7 o'clock, we'll have prayer right here. You may not be able to make all of them. You may be able to make one of them. Do what you can do, Right? But it's an opportunity for us to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus with a grateful heart. As we take time for communion, commun communion is, is remembering what God's done with a grateful heart. We take communion, connect with God. Jesus said that when he was doing this with his disciples, he said, I, I've eagerly anticipated this moment, right? And we, so we connect to to. It's to uh, we, we do it to connect with God we do it to reflect with God and he talks about the things that he's done and then he says for I will not drink it again until, until I'm, I'm, I'm made new so then we do it to, to connect to reflect and to expect out of a grateful heart amen so here's what I'm going to do I'm not going to do a guided one where we have you all come out of your seat at one time what we're going to do I'm going to pray in a second and we're just going to start worshiping. And I want to challenge you. Be the one whose grateful heart drives them to the feet of Jesus. Come, get your communion elements, take communion at your leisure, wherever you want. Do it with your family, do it with your friends. Do it by yourself in the corner. I don't care. But use this altar 
to make that proclamation that I am not going to be satisfied. Though I'm content, I'm not satisfied. I want more. And I'm going to be like the one whose grateful heart drives me to the feet of Jesus. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's your day. Today's your day. I want to talk with you about that. Maybe it's time for you to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe it's time for you to make that decision. Maybe it's time for you to say, I've never known him, but I really want to know him. Let's do that now. I will be right in this area. Wes, right here. Pastor Dan, over here. We've got prayer team members that will be around, and, and we'll be able to pray with you. Not, nothing to be scared of. We're going to take communion. We're going to worship God. When you feel it's time for you to go, just go ahead and slip out the back. But if you slip out the back, as soon as I say amen, maybe you didn't ask yourself the question, am I the nine or the one? Just saying. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your presence in this room. And Lord, like the ten lepers, we are all in need of you. Our need for you is clearly evident in every moment of our life. With every breath that we breathe, we realize that we live and move and have our being in you. But Lord, we just pray that we would be the ones who grateful, whose grateful heart drives us to the feet of Jesus in every moment of our life. We love you and we praise you and we just want to move your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars are open, friends. Come and join us.